Before we begin our Torah study today, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kidshenu b'misvatav v'sivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Would you turn to Exodus 23, verse 29? That's where we want to start this morning. I want to focus this morning on a topic that I think is particularly useful to us, and there's a phrase that's, that can be really handy. The Hebrew phrase is this, ma'at, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, ma'at, ma'at. You just repeat it two times, ma'at, ma'at. And it means little by little. It's a biblical Hebrew phrase, not really used these days in Israel. If you say it in Israel, they'll probably correct you. But in biblical Hebrew, it means little by little. So say that with me, little by little. Tell the person next to you the Hebrew. There you go. And now the English. Okay, now what does ma'at mean? Little, that's right. But when you repeat it, ma'at, ma'at, it means little by little, that's right. Exodus 23, starting in verse 29, the Lord is explaining why he's gonna work more slowly than the children of Israel expect. I will not drive out uh, your adversaries from before you in one year which would cause the land to become desolate and the wild animals too many for you. I will drive them out from before you, ma'at, ma'at, little by little, until you have grown in number and can take possession of the land. This idea is a very important idea. God is saying, you think you're ready for a quick work but I see things differently. I understand that there are consequences if, we, if I do quickly what you want me to do quickly. And the Lord, because he's good, even explains what the consequences would be. The land would become desolate or empty, and then wild animals would come in and then that would create a new kind of havoc for the children of Israel. And so he says, it's going to be little by little that I'm going to give you this land. Even though I've promised it entirely to you, you will get it little by little. Otherwise, otherwise, there would be wild animals that would keep you from being able to inhabit the land in peace. Now, in a recent message, Rabbi Uri addressed the question, why did God take the children of Israel the roundabout way? Why didn't they go the most direct path? And it's a similar question. Why does God work slowly? Why sometimes when you think it should just be an easy thing to go from here to there, why is it not? Why is it that God works slowly? Why is it that... God takes his time on some things that you think you're ready for. How many have ever prayed for God to get his timing better aligned with your timing? 
I, I've given counsel to the Lord. You probably have too in prayer. Lord, I, I understand, I understand that you want to go slowly on this, but there's actually no need. We can, we can hurry this up. I know I'm ready, so all that's missing is you. If you would just get ready, Lord, I know you're busy, but I just need your attention on this. Have you ever prayed like that? None of you ever pray like that. Yeah, I am just the most miserable prayer person. You, no, I think I'm vocalizing what a lot of people experience where we really want to counsel the Lord to hurry it up already. And we explain to him that we're ready and everything's ready. And have you ever prayed like that and then gotten a resounding no from the Lord? I, I have. <laughs> it turns out that some things take time. Character takes time. The right circumstances and conditions take time. It takes time to get experience. It takes time to get wisdom. In fact, it takes time to get all the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit can be conveyed in an instant. But the fruit of the Spirit cannot. The fruit takes time. It takes time to build up perseverance. How is patience built? <laughs> you know. How is strength built? It's not by ambition. It's little by little. It's by repetition. We build perspective. In fact, we build our own readiness. Anything that requires serious preparation takes time. And the Lord was saying to the children of Israel, you're not prepared yet. And you can't get prepared. I took you the roundabout way because if you faced battle, you would have wanted to run back to Egypt. You would have given up. You weren't ready. There were times when the children of Israel weren't ready to move forward when God said, move now. When God said, now's the time, and I can even think of this, this one situation where the children of Israel said, no, if, if we try to go into battle now, we'll be defeated. And the Lord said, no, I will, I will protect you. I'll actually fight for you. I'll give you the victory. And they said, no way. And then they were rebuked by the Lord in such a fashion that they changed their minds and said, later, okay, now we're ready. But the Lord said, too late. You missed the opportunity. And they said, no, 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 we're ready. We're ready now. And he said, don't go up. And they said, no, we're ready. They went up and they were defeated. And so there are times when we're not ready for the now. And we want it to be later. But there are times when God says, little by little, I'm going to do this thing. There's a purpose in this timing. God's hand is upon your times and your seasons. If things happen too quickly, there would be outcomes that you... Uh, hadn't anticipated and that you couldn't handle. And, and that's what he's saying. Why, why the roundabout way? Why not the most direct path?
because you're not ready for the conflict, you would turn back in the face of battle. Why so slowly here? Why not quickly? His answer, well, if it's too soon, you'll be unable to manage the consequences that you don't realize are serious or that you're minimizing. Ma'at, ma'at. Now, a good response when the Lord says little by little is to say, okay. And to say, Lord, I know you're good, and I just want you to help me see what you see. Help me see what I'm not seeing. Now, the problem is sometimes the Lord will show us, and we won't be satisfied. This whole situation that we're reading about reminds me of my college roommate, John Colber who was a chess master, and I was a chess hack. <laughs> now, as a hack, as a kid, I could play other kids and win a lot. And as a teenager, I could play my friends and win more often than not. But I was a hack. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew the basic rules, and that was it. John was a master, um, in addition to being very irritating. <laughs> but I would play him, and he would make it seem like I was doing something he hadn't anticipated. You know, I'd make a move and he'd go, oh. <laughs> you know, or some sound, you know, of affirmation that, that made me feel like, Okay, things are looking good. He would even let me make progress and take, take his queen, take all sorts of uh, his, his, key, uh, his key pieces. And I would think to myself, today's the day. <laughs> and as soon as I had that confidence, that's when <laughs> I was hooked. And he would do a couple, three moves, and all of a sudden it was like checkmate. Every time. I lost every time. He saw so much further ahead than I did. He knew where he was going, and he had ability that was so much more developed than mine was, but I kept thinking, I'll get lucky. The only way I could have defeated him is if he was sleeping. <laughs> and I got to move his chess pieces <laughs> against my chess pieces. He saw much further ahead than I did. And the Lord sees further ahead than we do. But here's the thing about the Lord. He doesn't want us to be defeated. He doesn't want us to be set up so that he can win against us. He wants to give us a victory. He wants to protect us from losing when we think we're ready, but he knows we're not. And so he protects us from our own wrong sense of timing. Now, it's hard to remember that because when we're ready, we're not necessarily ready. When we think we're ready, we're not necessarily ready. When we think we're ready, the circumstances may not be right. 
but the Lord is the master of times and seasons. And so I want to take a few moments and read some scriptures that I think can be part of your scriptural toolbox, if you will, to remind yourself that God understands right timing. So here's the first. This is going to be a little bit of a merry-go-round. Romans 5, verse 6. It says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Messiah died for the ungodly. When did he die for the ungodly? At the right time. Not too late. Not too soon. At just the right time. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now today is the day of salvation. When did he hear us? At just the right time. Galatians 6, 9. This is good instruction for us. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at just the right time, Let's say that together. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, what if we do give up? No harvest. This is a reminder that when you're waiting, when you're trying to be faithful, when you're doing well and doing good, there may be a feeling like it's already been too long. I've waited too long. Why should I keep going? It's never going to happen. That's when you need to strengthen yourself. It's not a time to get all emotional. It's a time to hunker down with your commitment. It's, a not, it's not a time for cheerleading because if you depend on cheerleading, there will be moments when your emotions say, well, just give up. That's what this is talking about. Don't give up. Don't rely upon that. Make sure that you are really tied in to the Lord with your commitments so that if your emotions go up or your emotions go down, you can stay close to the Lord. Don't become weary in doing good. For at just the right time, tell someone next to you, at just the right time, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, if, if we don't give up. If you like that person you're sitting next to, punch him a little bit and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The kingdom of God advances by people who put effort into it. Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your force, with all your personal power, with all your effort. Don't give up. But what about when you feel like giving up? Don't give up. Just because your feelings tell you to give up. Ecclesiastes 8.5. The one who keeps a command will not experience anything harmful. And a wise heart knows the right time 
and procedure. A wise heart knows the right time, when, and the right procedure. How? When and how? Over the years, I've counseled uh, a lot of couples with long-term marriage problems, and one of the questions I ask is, um, how did you decide to get married? It's, it, it reveals a lot. Typically, if it's two believers who have had problems for decades, they say, well, the Lord showed me that this was the right person. It's like, okay. So second question, how did you know it was the right time? And it's like a brain explosion. <laughs> we never thought of that. So that leads to the follow-up question, well, how did you prepare? Prepare? For what? <laughs> they prepared a grocery list using more time than they, you know, we're living in an era where people put more effort into preparing for the wedding ceremony and party and celebration than they do preparing for marriage. The father of a friend of mine has been married four or five times. I lost count. Last time he got married, I said, I think he likes getting married more than he likes being married. <laughs> if, if you want to say, the Lord showed me, that's good, but you still have responsibility to be prepared. How old was David when he found out that he would be king? He was a lad. He was young. But he wasn't instantly ready. It took time for him to get ready. He had to be prepared. He had to develop character. He had to go through a lot of experience. In the same way, if, if you find your Besheret, you know, your, um, your perfect match, you still have to get ready. You still have to prepare. You have to learn how to make decisions together. You have to learn how to solve problems together. You have to learn how to work together. You have to learn how to bring the best out of each other. All of these things are required. A wise heart knows the right time and procedure, the right things to do. Isaiah 60, verse 22. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord in its time, I will do this swiftly. Now that's a tricky statement. I will do this swiftly in its time. You know what that means? You'll wait, and you'll wait, and you'll wait, and then suddenly it's time and it's done. But you still have to wait. It's not time until it's time. And then Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.15. At just the right time, Messiah will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. When is Yeshua returning? At just the right time, right? At just the right time. And where is he coming from when he comes? Again. 
Come on. From heaven. That's right. So that gives you a clue. He's not walking around right now. He hasn't been born to a woman again, waiting to be revealed. When he comes again, he's coming from heaven. Do you ever say to the Lord, I'm so ready for this to be over? <laughs> that's, that's one attitude, but there's another attitude. Lord, at just the right time. At just the right time. Now, we don't know what the right time is, so we should be prepared. One of the instructions is to be like uh, the, the virgins who were attending um, for the for the ceremony, and some had oil, some didn't. You want to be those that are prepared. When should you get prepared? Now. Now be prepared. Be prepared now. What if the Lord surprises everybody and he shows up after lunch today? Okay. Okay if you're ready. What if you're not? What if you had said to the Lord, you know... I want to sort of fool around and play around with this God stuff for a while. I don't want to get all serious. So when I'm older, I'll be serious. That would be bad news if the Lord says, well, I'll, I'll see you after lunch. <laughs> Game over, right? <laughs> what, what about the person who is double-minded? Today, they're hot for the Lord tomorrow they're just as motivated to go their own way without regard to the Lord. It will not be good for them, right? What about the one whose best argument is, well, we've been doing miracles and all sorts of stuff. We didn't have time to fellowship with you, Lord, but we were out there in power. It would not be good news. And what about the person who says, well, I, th I think I believe, but I'm not sure. Not necessarily good news. So what do we do? You get ready. You get ready, you stay ready. Get ready, stay ready. That's what we do. That's how we live. That's a, a secret for living with the Lord. Now there are a couple of other things I want to add to this about how, how to conduct yourself, how to live when you're in the waiting period or where it's just coming to you little by little. Instead of being impatient or thinking it's meaningless, I want to um, share with you something that Yeshua taught. It's in Matthew 25, verses 22 and 23. It speaks about the importance of faithfulness, especially being faithful with a little. So Yeshua told this story. Do I have your attention now? Did something happen? We don't know. Noise to the truth. It's sort of like sneeze to the truth. So we're just looking at some commentary Yeshua made after telling a story about people who had been given different um, resources, talents, 
And I was speaking about financial, uh, like a, a gold talent. The man with the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Faithful with a few, faithful with a little. And what does faithful mean in that case? It means bringing increase with what you have. I gave you a little, and you use that little to bring commensurate increase. So I can trust you with more. Faithful um, with a little can also mean uh, faithful with small things or things that other people consider insignificant. Faithful in little things, then given bigger things. Step by step, little by little. When, when you need a breakthrough, and God is giving you just a little progress, be faithful for the little progress. And be faithful during the times of the little progress because that's one of the things that God really uses, that faithfulness and that thanksgiving as well. And then one more aspect, um, the importance of consistency. Consistency means continuing to do something in a steady way, being constant. And real spiritual strength and real character is built through consistency. And even great breakthroughs, mountaintop experiences especially, require that we hold firm and that we be consistent in, in the valley of everyday life. If you've gotten addicted to mountaintop experiences, you may not be living successfully and faithfully in the valley of every day. And so you may be like that person who can't function because the only thing you can do is go for a spiritual high. It's important to develop consistency. How do you develop consistency? by consistently doing things, right? By overcoming uh, the resistance to your own consistence. Ooh. And how do you do that? I was working with a teenager friend who was having difficulty in school, and the teenager said, well, to be honest with you, I'm just apathetic. And I said, I understand, I'm glad you're honest, but you don't have to be stuck in apathy. There are solutions when you're apathetic that you may not be aware of, and one of them is you partner up with someone who's not apathetic, and you allow their motivation to affect you. And so I said, I'm willing to be your partner in this. And it helped. And you know, how many people have found that um, signing up for a gym is relatively easy? <laughs> and represents sometimes like an emotional breakthrough. However, consistently going to the gym 
It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to develop consistency because the cares of the world, the, the busyness of life, all the other things we have been doing that fill up our time are still there. And how do we carve out time for consistency? It, it takes effort. It's hard to do. And it requires that we think through and that we work on, rather than just make a momentary emotional um, commitment that's not really a commitment. It's, it's more like, I'm gonna cheerlead myself, and I'm going to hurrah myself, and I'm gonna do the thing. And then you do it, and then the next day you've used up all your motivation, and you got none left, and so you're back to where you were. But to develop commitment requires repetition, it requires practice, it requires continuity and consistency. And whatever it takes, there are a lot of different ways to overcome the resistance, but it's important not to give up and to do the things that build that consistency. Now, there is one group of people that I need to give a special caution to when we're talking about little by little, slowly, and that is what I would call gross procrastinators. So that's a separate group of people because there are some people who are just happy to wait because what they hate is taking action. When I was... Uh, a young newsman, I smoked cigarettes. I did. And I enjoyed them. I did. And all the people I worked with smoked as well. And they enjoyed them too. But there was a certain point when I decided I gotta break this terrible habit. And so I stopped buying cigarettes. I became, <laughs> borrowing is too generous because borrowing implies you're gonna give back. But have you ever said, can I bum a cigarette? Oh, so I became a bum. And I bummed cigarettes. And that was disgusting. But there was a certain moment when I said, Okay, this next, next cigarette, this is going to be my last one. And it's that kind of thinking that caused Mark Twain to say, smoking is the easiest habit to stop. I've done it hundreds of times. <laughs> when we say the next is going to be our last, it won't be. When we say the last one was our last, it might be. So, procrastinators. Procrastinators are always looking for a reason to do it tomorrow, next week, later, manana, never. If you're a gross procrastinator, you have to get to the bottom of it and work on it and fix it. 
But if you're hearing this message little by little as like a confirmation of <laughs> your procrastination, I didn't want you to leave the sanctuary with, with that illusion. I would r- much rather you say right now, oh, drat, that rabbi had me going. I thought I was the most spiritual person in the whole world because I'm so patient and can wait forever to do anything. But I want to tell you, when it's now, now is the time. Don't miss your time. At just the right time doesn't mean later. It means at just the right time. And there are moments when just the right time is right now. And there are also moments when just the right time means a little now, a little tomorrow, a little the next day, a little, little by little, ma'at, ma'at, right. So with that in mind, let's close with Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Above all these various qualities that he addresses, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together perfectly. And let the shalom, which comes from the Messiah, be your heart's decision maker. I like that translation. For this is why you were called to be part of a single body. Two qualities, love and shalom working together. Love holds everything together. Shalom helps you get settled about your decisions. The very worst decisions I've ever made, the ones that I regret the most, are the ones I made when I had no peace and I was trying to get rid of the anxious feelings and the discomfort by making a decision anyway. It's much better to wait for the shalom, except for the procrastinator. Because procrastinators can't tell the difference between shalom and just procrastinating. I, I know, I know, you didn't want to hear the procrastinators. And probably you're saying to yourself, someday I'm going to do something about this. <laughs> Love and shalom together. The shalom that comes from Messiah. Not the shalom that comes from your personality. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us and I thank you that you have peace. You've called us into a covenant of your peace. Let your love bind us together. Let the love that we have for you and for one another um, help us to integrate all the different facets of the fruit of the Spirit. And let it be, Lord, that the shalom that comes from you, the shalom of Messiah, would guard our hearts and help us to make the most important decisions of our hearts. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So let's close with Aaron's blessing. I want to ask you to stand. Lord, 
Vayasem Lecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Amen.